Welcome back to another exciting episode of iMind brought to you by the UCSC ISACA student group. So today we are here to educate you guys on security related to web application development and also we are hoping to answer questions related to web development and security that you all asked. So my name is Yashiti and I will be your host for this discussion on behalf of the UCSC ISACA student group. So today we have a very special guest, Mr. Danushka Chandana. Mr. Danushka is a software engineer and also the lead at the Facebook Developer Circle Colombo. And the reason why I said he was special was because in addition to his outstanding achievements in his career, he was also the third president of the UCSC ISACA student group. So welcome Mr. Danushka. Hello. So without further ado, shall we proceed with the discussion? Yeah, sure. All right. So I think it's safe to say that having a sound knowledge on security issues as a web application developer is crucial. So what are the most common security issues a developer must be familiar with? Yeah, when it comes to common security issues, there are several. Uh, among of those things, I can remember mainly cross-site scripting, SQL injection, denial of service attacks and cross-site request forgery and arbitrary file inclusion and man-in-the-middle attacks as well. Mm -hmm. So out of everything that you have mentioned, I would like to select a few and get a further elaboration on them. So what exactly is cross-site scripting and how can we prevent it? Actually, uh, cross-site scripting is a type of injection in which malicious scripts are injected into websites. So these attacks occur when an attacker uses a web application to send a malicious code generally in the form of a browser side script to a different end user. So these attacks have several types like reflected and stored and so on. Uh, when it comes to the uh, prevention, uh, first thing we can do is uh, filtering the input on arrival. So at the point where user input is received, uh, filter as strictly as possible based on the what uh, thing we are getting actually whether it is a valid input or not we need to process it accordingly and the next thing we can follow is encoding the data on output so when the user controllable data is output in the http response you simply can encode the output depending on the output context this might require applying combinations of html uri javascript and css encodings but uh, this is uh, one another thing you can consider and uh, the next thing is use of uh, appropriate response headers uh, to prevent these kind of attacks in HTTP responses uh, that aren't intended to contain any HTML or JavaScript, you can use the content type and next content type options headers to ensure that browser interprets the responses in the way you intend. That is one another thing. And the final thing is a content security policy as a last line of defense. Actually, you can use the content security policy to reduce the severity of any cross-site scripting attacks and those vulnerabilities that can occur in your web application uh, as the last line actually uh, that's the things I can remember on these things great and what is SQL injection how can we prevent that yeah SQL injection is a kind of a common one uh, it is a type of an injection attacks that makes it possible to execute the malicious SQL statements in your databases so Simply, these statements control the database server behind the web application. Then, attacker can use SQL injection vulnerabilities to bypass the application security measures 
so and the, this is these things are usually occurs when a web application asks for a user uh, some details like uh, username user ids and some kind of form details those things and uh, after that the application will execute the sql statement unknownly on your database Mm-hmm. You also mentioned denial of service attacks. So, what exactly is that, and how can we prevent it? Yeah, denial of service attack is a type of a cyber attack actually. So, which is a malicious actor aims to interrupt the uh, device's normal functioning, like devices in the sense of uh, servers, databases, and those things. And uh, DDoS attacks uh, typically function with sending lots of requests. We say it as flooding. So until the traffic is unable to be processed, resulting in denial of service to other users. That means the uh, service is not long, no longer available. And uh, it is a kind of a common issue these days. Uh, people are tend to do that. And uh, to overcome these kind of situations, we need to have a better plan. Actually, before facing into the situation, and we can allocate some resources and uh, monitoring and handling the resources. in the proper way and uh, next thing is we can install the protection tools that is a also a good step we can take and uh, i can remember one solution uh, it's a kind of a popular one cloudflare that offers a resilient and scalable tool set to avoid the, this kind of situations and uh, it is a one solution that combines with several features and several techniques of uh, mitigation of ddos attacks this thing and uh, those are things about denial of service attacks mm-hmm. and lastly i would like to know about cross site forgery and what precautionary steps can be followed to uh, avoid it yeah cross site request forgery is a attack that forces an end user to execute unwanted actions on a web application in which they are currently authenticated so csrf attacks specifically target state changing request not testing data or anything but the attacker has no way to see the response of the forged request but with the little help of social engineering like such as sending links in the email or chat attacker may trick the users of the web application into executing actions of the attacker's choosing if the victim is a normal user the successful attacks can force the user to perform the state changing request like uh, transferring funds changing their email addresses and so forth and uh, if the victim is a administrative account with higher privileges csrf can compromise the entire web application so that is all about uh, cross site request forgery and when it comes to the solutions uh, you need to check if your framework has built in csrf protection if not you will have to manually ap- apply those things and validate the stuff on the back end and uh, always use same site cookie attribute for the session cookies is one another thing and implement at least one mitigation from defense in depth of mitigation sections like use custom request headers verify the origin with standard headers use the double submit cookies and those things can be taken as a precautions right So now let's move on to cloud computing. So cloud computing services are widely used in web application development. So what are the security aspects in cloud computing that should be taken into consideration? Yeah, when it comes to uh, security in the cloud, it's separate into two areas like uh, customer's responsibility and provider's responsibility because when it comes to cloud, the developer is the customer. 
so developer needs to take care of data application and the firewall settings and those things and the cloud provider like aws azure or something they will take care of the compute engine uh, storage database networking and those things in the security aspects so if we talk about more in the security of the cloud we can uh, have a proper access management mechanisms because all of these providers uh, already built up with uh, highly uh, scalable and uh, properly managed access management system we need to follow their best practices and apply them into our application like uh, identity and access management configuration configuring the vpn those things and uh, encrypt the data highly sensitive data such as health information personally identifiable information and those things is one another thing and the final thing i can remember is uh, grant the fewest privileges as possible for the application users without giving the unnecessary privileges to the application users you can simply uh, go for the fewest privileges possible for the application users Mm-hmm. So, what are the REST principles on security? Yeah, when it comes to the REST principles, uh, there are few I can remember actually. Uh, least privilege is a one thing, as we have discussed a moment ago. Uh, an entity should have only the required set of permissions to perform the action for which they are authorized, actually, and no more because uh, other than when we are giving the unnecessary permissions that can be a troublesome in the future those permissions uh, will be a cause for the attacks as well because uh, when we are adding permissions that these permissions can be added as needed and should revoke when no longer in use actually the next thing is we can remember the fail safe default a user's default access level to any resource in the system should be denied and as i have mentioned earlier the permissions can be added as needed and uh, we can remove them when they are no longer in use the final thing is separation of privileges because uh, the granting permissions to an entity should not be purely based on a single condition it should be combination of conditions based on type of resource is a better idea so those are the things i can remember in the aspects of rest principles in the security area Right so now we uh, spoke about rest principles but in addition what are the rest practices on security yeah these are the uh, things a developer should be considered actually when it comes to the rest practi- practices uh, we need to keep the our api system very simple manner so every time you make the solution more complex unnecessarily you are also like to leave a hole in the security most probably and the next thing is always use https not http because https is the secure version of http so that is a primary protocol used to send data between web browser and web server and uh, https is uh, encrypted in order to increase the security of the data sorry HTTPS is an encrypted in order to increase the security of the data transfer. The next thing is uh, usage of hashed password. 
because the passwords must always be hashed to protect the system or minimize the damage actually even if it is compromised in some hacking attempt there are many such hashing algorithms out there and there are lots of tools when it comes to node.js we can remember bycrypt and uh, cycrypt and those things uh, also available so you can choose one of these technologies and uh, hash your passwords accordingly and the next thing is uh, never expose information on urls like uh, usernames passwords session keys api keys those things are not suitable to expose in the urls uh, such as uh, query params or path params so that should be avoided and uh, after that uh, we can say uh, considering the auth uh, through basic auth is good enough for the most apis but when it comes to the advanced score so it is always better to go for the uh, proper auth, auth mechanisms for your apis and uh, also consider uh, input parameter validations so valid parameter request on the very first step before it reaches to the application logic and put some strong validation checks and reject the request immediately if the validation is failed. In API response also you can send the relevant error messages and example of corrected input format to the improved use experiences as well. Those are the things for the REST API practices for the developers. Right, so what techniques and tools would you recommend for securing APIs? Yeah, when it comes to uh, techniques and tools, there are a lot actually. But if we wrap up things, uh, the developer can use JSON web tokens in authenticating and authorizing API clients and defining and implementing access control policies. So that allows only certain kind of clients to perform right operations or access sensitive data such as health information, pricing data and those things. And uh, defining role-based access control is one another thing that allows only certain users to publish APIs that expose sensitive information. And another thing is uh, securing API themselves by applying rate limiting. The rate limiting is a threshold on the number of requests the API gateway accepts each second. Actually this should not be a second but uh, it is a actually time period. Within that specific time period uh, the number of requests accepting from the specific uh, source is uh, identified as rate limiting such as from a uh, client IP address or something and the next thing is uh, using HTTPS we have discussed it earlier actually and uh, when it comes to the resources we should always authenticate the user before authorizing because otherwise uh, we will end up with lots of problems in the security aspect as well or in the resource consumption area as well so those are the things for the some techniques and tools for the securing APIs. okay so now let's move on to the latter part of the discussion in which we will discuss all the questions received from you all so what prerequisites should a person have in order to learn web development yeah, I think uh, this is a kind of a general question. So when it comes to a web application development these days, this depends on the path you are taking actually. Uh, whether it is front-end, back-end or full-stack. For these uh, kind of uh, things, uh, if you are following the front-end, you must master HTML, CSS and JavaScript. 
as prerequisites and uh, when it comes to backend you can learn rest api designing and uh, databases and those things but about languages you can learn uh, you can follow java javascript and node.js even php is good but make sure to start with basics then you can move into the uh, some kind of better frameworks to get things done in a more efficient manner okay and what factors should be taken into consideration when selecting languages for a web application yeah this is also a general question i think uh, i will answer it as a general question first thing you need to consider it as a suitability for the problem at hand actually the problem you are going to solve uh, is it a project with web centric or it uses lot of concurrency or does it require the real time uh, processing and those things is one thing you can consider and the next thing is binding for the other technologies like uh, database management systems because uh, the languages like uh, not languages like frameworks like node.js uh, provide the better support for the different kind of languages like python mysql and those things so it is kind of a good domain to consider when it comes to the binding for the other technology and the next thing is platform support and uh, the support from the community because uh, if the language you are choosing has a better community and platform support you won't be alone so there will be someone to help you even in the facebook or uh, stack overflow any forum there will be someone uh, who is following the same path as you so you won't be alone that is one another thing and uh, the next thing is uh, security simply so no programming languages is inherently secure or insecure but some provide more and better tools for secure programming than others for example avoiding uh, cross site scripting is much easier in haskell and uh, then it is php and those things and uh, when it comes to security we need to think of uh, the what are the measures we can take care of rather than depending on the language right so how can a developer find vulnerabilities in a newly built software product yeah when it comes to the finding vulnerabilities uh, simply can be done with security test actually the open web application security project which is a non profit foundation has lots of details on these things so simply a developer can run vulnerability scannings security scannings and penetration testings risk assessments there are a lot of things they can do Right so I think I sort of touched upon this but I'll ask in case there are extra points what are the freely available tools that can be used to enhance the security of a software product Yeah actually uh, as I have mentioned the open web application security project has uh, defined several tools in the several aspects like static application management tools like lgtm and insider cli and there are several dynamic application security testing tools like OS SAPEC and uh, like those things and uh, there will be some more technologies built into the uh, our DevOps and CI environment like GitLab or Bitbucket those things also available those are freely available actually okay so hypothetically let's say a person is developing a system which requires storing sensitive data so how can this developer ensure that the security is preserved in this database Uh, when it comes to the storing data they can simply follow the encryption mechanisms and after that if they are storing it in the cloud they can follow the security measures we have discussed in the cloud as well right 
So are there any security issues when we process data in the front end of an application? For example, if we fetch a few records from a database and filter it in the front end, is that really safe and is that a good approach? Actually, uh, there can't be something like this in normal case. Actually, there can't be a problem like that. But we cannot predict what can happen because the data is already transferred from the back end and visible to the outside world. One thing you can follow is SSR. The SSR is a server-side rendering. It's the ability of an application to contribute by displaying the web page on the server instead of rendering it in the browser. In that case, we are not sending the data to the browser to display. We are sending a processed web page to the browser to render. So this can be uh, some kind of a precaution if it is a problematic thing in the processing the data in the front end but uh, processing data in the front end is also one thing you can do it's a common thing we do okay so our final question for today is if sso login is safer than passwords when signing up to a website yeah single sign on is a kind of a common thing these days uh, if someone doesn't know what is sso or single sign on uh, it is like uh, we get authenticated by one well-known provider and all the other places accept their authentication as valid authentication mechanism. So the simple and common example is social single sign-on and although social single sign-on is a convenient to users, it can be present security risks because it creates a single point of failure that can be exploited by hackers. So because of that reason, many security professionals recommend that end user refrain from using social single sign-on stuff altogether because uh, once an attacker gains control over users single sign-on credentials, they will be able to access all the other applications that is authenticated by the same SSO. So that can be a problematic thing. but. Uh, when it comes to the SSO, there are several benefits for the uh, user as well because it enables user to remember and manage fewer passwords and usernames for each application and no need to re-enter applications all the time we use even though there is a uh, password saving mechanism on the browsers but it, it, still we need to enter passwords sometimes uh, with SSO it, will, it won't be a problem and uh, it makes it less like to and uh, it makes it less likely to get into phishing because we are not entering the password stuff again and again and but when it comes to the disadvantages it also has several disadvantages as i have mentioned earlier because uh, if the availability is lost then users are locked they cannot use the other applications as well and uh, if unauthorized users gain access as i have mentioned earlier they could gain access to the other applications we have authenticated from this SSO so that is a kind of a problem, problematic thing but uh, everything comes with advantages and disadvantages so it is our responsibility to use it but when it comes to the assigning the web application uh, authentication mechanism into the SSO it's a kind of a common thing these days everyone do, does that so it's a okay thing to follow but with uh, some kind of uh, things we need to consider in our mind okay and with that it's time to wrap up this week's session so i would like to express our sincere gratitude to mr danushka for accepting our invitation and dedicating your valuable time to be here with us today 
yeah it's a great to be here actually uh, to share these kind of knowledge uh, and uh, this is a kind of a new thing introduced in the isg uh, it is also a, a good thing actually i am glad to be a part of it and uh, i wish isg and the imicro cam to go on a long way and uh, bring something good to the society and bring, bring something good to the world and uh, thank you for being the host for me for this uh, program and thank you okay thank you once again and a big shout out goes to all our listeners we hope we were able to answer all your questions and hope you guys gain new knowledge from this session if there are any doubts or concerns don't forget to let us know on our social media platforms so until next time goodbye and have a great day